Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. I'm your host, Jennifer Monahan, and we're coming to you from Blog Talk Radio. And today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, but before I interview her, I do want to share some news on my end. I know some of you have asked me about it. My second book was just released this week, and so if you are interested in getting it, it is Where To, How I Shed My Baggage and Learn to Live Free. You can get that on Amazon. Now, about my guest. Today, I have uh, Nancy Byrne with me, and uh, Nancy is an incredibly interesting person. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the author of the book Choices, and she believes Everyone possesses innate intuitive abilities which can improve the quality of life by providing guidance, keeping them safe, and helping people to make the right decisions or choices as they navigate through life. Uh, As a matter of fact, one of her core beliefs and driving forces in her life is summed up pretty well in, in this quote of hers. She says, it is my sole desire to give back and to serve by assisting others on their life journey. She majored in psychology at the University of Colorado, Denver, for both her graduate and undergraduate degrees, and worked for an adolescent psychiatric treatment hospital, a women in group support program, a rape crisis center, a major police department as a director of a victim services unit, and several high shelters for adolescents. She also graduated from the Aspen Program for Psychic Development with certification in psychic development, spirit mediumship, medical intuition, Reiki master teaching, and is astrologer. She And if she doesn't have enough to do, she's also currently working on her second book uh, titled Remembering. You can find her on her website, which is wwwchoices NLB, that's Nancy L. So, Nancy, welcome to the show. I'm very happy to be on the show. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. I'm excited to have you as well. Just given your background, uh, and I know we talked before the show, but you have such an interesting mix of both spirit and practical, and you're bringing them together in the work that you do in such a unique so I'd love to start off, as you know, the name of my show is Living a Courageously Authentic Life, asking you, when did you decide to start living a courageously authentic life? Probably um, when I, I had an experience, um, I had just been divorced, and um I was kind of at a tremendously low point in my life. I thought that that was my whole identity, being a mother and being a wife. And um, I thought marriage was forever. It didn't work out that way. And so um, we had lived in Colorado in the country. We had four and a half acres. And we used to have really um, horrible storms and um, tornadoes, things like that. And three weeks um, prior to the story I'm going to talk about, 
um, a young family had moved in um, Catacorner to us, and they had two adorable little girls. They were about two and a half and five, I guess, or maybe three and five. And um, one Saturday, their dad was out there putting up a trampoline for them, and he was staking, putting the stakes in cement so that they would hold and not blow away because of the harsh yeah. wind sometimes. And the little girls were so excited. It was a big. It was an all-day celebration. I mean, they were out there all day working, <laughs> bringing their dad poles and tools and whatever he needed. And they were so excited, just jumping up and down when he finally got it all together. The mom, I think, had made a cake or purchased a cake, and they were like having lemonade, I think, out looking at the trampoline, waiting for it to hurry up and finish drying. And um, I just thought it was so adorable. And then fast forward three weeks, mm-hmm. we had a really bad summer storm or spring storm. It was the, it was thundering. The lightning was just crashing. The, the, it was like a torrential downpour. It was a really bad storm, and um, I was really feeling just so sorry for myself that you know life wasn't even worth living sometimes. And I heard this great big crash, and I thought. Right now, the roof caved in. <laughs> so I walked right. downstairs and um, to see what was the matter, and out to our walkout basement, and the little girl's trampoline was resting against the side of our house in pieces. It was oh. irreparable, and I just thought, oh, those poor little girls are going to be so sad. And I was walking up the stairs again, thinking that you know life just sucked. And um, out of the corner of my eye, I saw movement, and I looked, and there were these two little girls outside in the lightning storm picking up the metal poles from their trampoline. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to be killed. And so I called their home number, and there was no answer. I thought it was just, you know, when you get nervous, you don't dial correctly. And so I called Mm -hmm. again. There was no answer. So I jumped in the car, and I went over there, and, you know, being the adult, I got out of the car and I said, what are you girls doing out here in this storm? Get in the house. You could be hurt. And the little one looked at me. She didn't say anything, but her, you know, her body language said, don't tell us what to do. You're not our mommy. She had her little <laughs> hand on her hip. <laughs> and so I quickly changed my tone. I was a therapist, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I addressed the older one and I said, where is your mommy? And she said, oh, she's visiting Connie. She'll be back soon. And I said, listen, if you please get in the house and promise not to come out again until your mommy gets home, I will pick up all the poles, all the pieces of your trampoline for you, and I will put them against your house. You know, and the little girl was crying. She was like, our daddy going to be so sad. We have to help her da- our daddy. And the big one was like, I think she was really relieved. I said, I promise Mm -hmm. I'll I'll stack them up and put them against the side of the house for your daddy. You don't have to worry about it. So the older one was pulling the little one in. And I did. I picked up all the pieces of the trampoline, all the metal poles. I even picked up a few lug nuts or nuts and bolts or something and put them all on the side of their house so that their dad can find them when he got home. And I came home. I jumped in my car, and I was just drenched. Right. Changed my clothes. was going to go get a cup of soup. And um, it started hailing. And just, it seemed like within a matter of seconds, maybe three or four minutes, I don't know, we had about 
four, three to four inches of golf-sized hailstones in the backyard on our deck. And I looked out. Wow. And there were the little girls. And they must have found something because the older one had her little hand out like she was carrying something. And they were outside in the storm again. And I just, I, I just felt like they were going to get killed and without even thinking. And I've never done this before. I just screamed. And what surprised me is I pointed my finger. I mean, I never put my finger at anyone, but I screamed and I said, I command you to stop this storm now. And the storm stopped. And I was like, oh. Wow. Doo, 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 doo. Uh, it's a coincidence. It'll start up again soon. And it didn't. And then I'm like, I respectfully thank you for stopping the storm. And I'm thinking, Oh, my God, I'm going to be turned into a charcoal bouquet. Who am I to command the hand of God? And right. said, in a very gentle and kind way, Spirit said, you are the hand of God, Nancy. You are all the hands of God. I need you more than you need me. I am a spirit. No one can physically see me physically touch me, physically hear me. I can't physically dry the tears from a child's eyes, but you and your flesh and blood bodies can do all that and more. If I were to erect an orphanage in the desert, it would be torn down because it would be thought to be an evil spirit. But if a human and if a human and flesh person builds the same orphanage, it would stand. I need you all to help each other and to lift each other up, basically to walk each other home. And that, I think, is the one single incident that stands out to me that really changed my life when I understood just how very important and how all-powerful we are that, you know, yeah. And and we need to help each other out. We need to we all have been given special special gifts, tools in our toolbox, you know, just like a carpenter has a power drill or a you know, a power saw. We all mm-hmm. have been given special tools to do whatever we need to do in this life. And we're all in this together and I think that we need to recognize that we all have so much more in common than any differences that we might have. And we need to pull together and we literally could save the world. I think we could change the world. I honestly do. I think we could move mountains if we needed to move mountains. We could do whatever we needed to do. And you read stories about a parent who was in an accident or something and their child gets thrown from the car and is under the wheels of the car, they not only pick up that car, offer their child a two-ton or five-ton car, whatever it is, but they do it with one hand while moving the child out from under it. And the next morning they may have a little soreness, but Mm -hmm. we underestimate ourselves. And we all walk around thinking that we're lacking. Someone else is always smart or someone else has a better personality. Someone else is always handsome or prettier. And we just, we pass by and we don't even look at ourselves. I read a a quote from um, St. Augustine Mm -hmm. in this book by Kristen Tippett, and it says it's it's titled Becoming Wise. 
And it said that we marvel at the majesty of mountains, at the depths of the sea, at the power of the rushing water, and we pass ourselves unnoticed. And we mm-hmm. are the greatest miracle and creation on this earth. So I think that's basically what I realized. I'm sitting around bemoaning, you know, my woes, and I that's, that's something that I think we're all addicted to. We have our number one addiction is talking about our woes and what's going wrong in our life instead of noticing all that's going on and instead of changing our lives and molding them the way we want them to be. You, you are absolutely right about that, Nancy. I agree with that. Um, and this idea of seeing the majesty that exists within each one of us is uh, something that as a shaman, I, I try to help my clients see as well. Just, you know, wow, you know, I, I can, to, to use your words, I can move mountains. I can accomplish things. I can work through this fear and who I truly am. And I have to say, your story gives me chills when you point up to the sky and command it to stop. Um, yeah. That's just and amazing. Isn't it sad that we think that we're going to be, you know, punished for doing something good to help somebody else? I mean, (laughs) now that I look back at it, I think, my gosh, I was in such a different place. I mean, why would spirit punish me for trying to save these two little girls' lives? My gosh, you know, we've all been kind of brainwashed by societal norms and, and, you know, religious dogma and uh, political beliefs and gender and all this stuff. You know, we've all been just brainwashed that we're not enough and that we're going to be smitten if we do anything that offends spirit, God, the divine, whatever it is, who, by the way, gave us our free will so that we could exert it and is not going to punish us for utilizing it. We were given free will. We can make our own choices and we're all always at the place, perfect place as far as spirit's concerned that we need to be. We all grow yeah. in stages. We don't just jump, you know, from, you know, from crawling on the ground like a worm into becoming a beautiful, majestic butterfly. It takes time. And mm-hmm. it takes a little work. We need to be more finely honed. The book talks about, you know, that a diamond was just a piece of coal until intense pressure was applied. And we all in our lives have experienced some sort of pressure. We all are diamonds, and we all have everything within us to live happy, fulfilling, prosperous, and healthy lives. We just need to call it to us. We have to know that we can do this. And, you know, people talk about, People talk about being tested and, oh, my God, I feel like I'm Job and, you know, the biblical days, you know. Spirit told me that Spirit never tests us. You know, the divine, the universe, almighty God, whatever name you want to give this this majestic, all-powerful being that lives inside of us um, already knows what we're going to do. Spirit knows everything and sees the big picture. We're the ones that don't see the big picture. When you think that an obstacle is insurmountable, when you are terrified of something, as I have been most of my life, 
and you take that leap of faith and you do it anyway mm-hmm. and you succeed, your confidence just soars, not only in yourself, dear, it just soars. It, it gives you, you realize that, you know, you were holding yourself back. You were blocking yourself. You were letting fear define you. And it gives you kind of a whole new, I don't know, outlook on life. You're more willing to take more risks and do other things. Spirit never gives you anything so that you'll fail and lose all faith and hope in yourself. That's not spirit's intent. You know, spirit loves us. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that you, you talk about is your belief that everyone has intuitive abilities and that those can really help improve the quality of life. And you've been touching on that a little bit. But could you expand on that a bit more just around, you know, how do people tap into their own intuition? I think they just decide that they want to do it, you know, and listen to yourself. We're so busy listening to the mindless chatter of everyone else around us that we don't listen to that still, quiet voice of ourselves, our gut instincts. You know, we've all been given kind of GPS systems to help us navigate through life, and we don't listen. I think if you just, instead of running around like a gerbil on a wheel, if you Uh just spend some time with yourself, I think it's important, first of all, I think it's really important to come to a place where you really, honestly, and truly love yourself. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You realize what a miracle you are, and you really love yourself and put yourself first. There's a place in the book that talks about putting the air mask on yourself first when you're on an airplane. You've got to Mm -hmm. put it on yourself first if you can ever help anyone else. And you have to love, honor, respect, and cherish yourself first before you can ever love, honor, cherish, or respect anyone else and before anyone else is ever going to love, honor, and cherish you. You know, we treat other people how, we teach other people how to treat us. But I think it's important to, to want to have a friendship with spirit. You know, if you have a best friend, you talk to that best friend, you mm-hmm. share your ups and your downs, the good, the bad, everything. You know, you tell them your deepest secrets. And um, if, you, if you had a very best friend and the only time you called upon that friend is when you're stranded on the side of the road with a flat tire and you can't get a tow truck to come and pick you up, then you wouldn't be really a very good best friend. Friendship is reciprocal. We only call on spirit when things are going wrong. We've got to build a relationship with spirit and talk to spirit. We've been given 365 days a year of our lives, you know, for as long, every year for as old as we are. It's not too much to spend 10 or 15 minutes talking to spirit. You know, I like to go for a walk. I love nature. I love to go for walks in the woods in Colorado. I love to walk in the mountains along mountain stri- by mountain streams. And just, you know, you don't have to talk out loud, but just let spirit know what's going on in your life, how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Not that it doesn't already know, but, you know, you're reaching out to spirit, and spirit wants to have that kind of a relationship with us. Spirit wants to be our very best friend's. You know, and in reality, it's it's not very wise. I mean, if you could only have one best friend, why not pick 
you know, the best ally that you could possibly ever have instead of somebody else. It's not wise, right. I don't think, to just turn spirit down. No, I don't want to be your friend. You know, um, I had an incident. Um, my um, ex-husband was a police officer, and we had moved mm-hmm. to Arvada because we were elders in this, um, you know, uh, speaking in tongues, you know, Bible packing, slain in the spirit church and everything. And I was so extremely lonely. He was gone all the time. Um, And um, I would go around and knock on the neighbor's doors to see if, you know, hi, I'm your new neighbor, and, you know, hope they'd invite me in for a cup of coffee or something, and I could get to know someone Mm -hmm. that no one was ever home. And I was just thinking, I don't know anybody here, you know. We'd moved from Littleton, and I was feeling so lost, and Spirit kept saying, at that time, I think every every avenue we have can work for you, no matter no matter what path you're on. It, it can all help you and benefit you. But, you know, we were into the Bible, and Spirit kept telling me to read the Bible. And one day I came home, and I was so upset, and, and Spirit said, I love you. I'm always there for you, you know. And I screamed and I said, you're just trying to get me to read your Bible and I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. And But what I felt was almost like grief, that I could feel spirits kind of like grief, like a parent would feel when their child tells them they don't love them and rejects them after they're doing the very best they can. And I said, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, but I do love you, and I want you to be my friend. It's just that I can't feel your arms around me. I can't hear Mm -hmm. your voice, and I just, I need that. You know, I'm a human being, and I need other human contacts. And from then on, people were home. People started coming to visit me. We have to let spirit know what our needs are and and what we want. Honestly, spirit wants to give you everything. I think that you need to, you know, everybody needs to realize that they do have special gifts and start listening. We think too much, I think, as human beings. Start listening and paying attention to how you feel. When you're around certain people, if somebody is asking you to do something and it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If you're, um, you know, when I worked for the um, victim services for the police department in in Colorado, um, most of the women that were brutally beaten or raped had that sixth sense or that instinct. They knew they shouldn't get in that elevator alone with that person, but they didn't want to hurt that person's feelings and turn around and walk away. They knew when somebody was being insistent about, oh, here, let me carry your groceries up these up these stairs for you because they're too heavy. And they said, no, I can manage it. The person insisted only to get into their house, lock the door, and rape and beat them. They knew, but they huh. didn't listen to that own inner guidance. We're all given, you know, directions on, on what to do to keep ourselves safe. And we just we, we care more about that we don't want to hurt another human being's feelings or we don't want anyone to think we're crazy or we, you know, as kids, you know, we all have um, invisible friends and Mm -hmm. we like to play with them and talk to them. And I think that these invisible friends 
are our spirit guides or our angels protecting us. And, and then our parents tell, tell us that that's stupid. People are going to think we're crazy. Nobody has invisible friends. I mean, we're just making that all up, and it's time to grow up and not do that. And we give up a really important element in our lives just because it's not acceptable. And I really believe with all my heart that what we can't see is more real than what we can see. You know, right. for instance, none of us can see electricity, but try putting a key in the outlet and you'll discover that there's really electricity. So, right. you know, we just we we get so used to seeing with our physical eyes and we judge others by what we see. We don't look at each right. other's souls. Right. Right. Well, and I think, but isn't that part of the learning process as well? You know, when I when I talk with my clients about living a courageous, authentic life, part of that is really rediscovering who they are. I mean, the, the beauty of children, uh, especially young children, is they have that clarity. But yeah. then life comes, you know, and, and it comes at them, and it comes in the form of, of society, religion, uh, the culture they're born into, uh, where they're born in the family pecking order and all these things. And there's expectations and there's rules and there's, you know, good things, quote, and bad things that need to be addressed. And the child begins to forget because the child needs to conform and, and, and what are the expectations are of, of his or her childhood. And, you know, you you add on top of that the things the child is told. And, I mean, you and I both know that there are children who are in homes where they're, they're made to feel worthless or that they weren't wanted or are unlovable or that they're a burden or, you know, that they are the most amazing thing in the world, right? And, and uh, they can't accomplish anything. But whatever the message is that that child hears over and over, yeah, combined with the living situation they have starts to define what they believe. And yes. then as and we I... grow up, hopefully we get to a point where we start to look within. Um, I, I use the words to our higher selves, but to our soul, to our spirit, whatever you want to call it, um, and start to remove those limiting beliefs, start to remove those uh, personas even that were us uh, as a child when we didn't know any better uh, or had taken on because of our situation and strip down, if you would, to who we really are at our core. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And along with all the the messages we get, sometimes we develop a deep-seated fear that we're not enough, that we can't yeah. do anything right, that no one will ever love us. Um you know, I was born into a um, really dysfunctional family. My dad both raped and beat me severely up until about the age of puberty. And uh, we'll pass that for beatings. But um, he actually tried to kill me three different times. And as a kid, I didn't realize that, you know, if a grown-up tries to kill a little kid, they're going to succeed. But somehow my right. dad didn't make it. <laughs> So, right. you know, I, I must have a purpose. Somebody was watching out for me. And I was always told that I was the black sheep. I was the black widow. No one would ever, ever love me. 
And I really, truly believe that. And all my life, all I wanted to do was have someone that I could love and, and someone that loved me back. And I, yeah. you know, became a people pleaser. All I wanted to do is just please people and try to buy their affection or their, you know, friends. I just always you know, would just run around doing things for them. Not that I was ever allowed to leave the house, but at school, I would do their homework. Mm-hmm. I was always a straight A student. I would do anything to to please people. All the teachers loved me because I was such a sweet little girl. But I thought that was my role. My role was just trying, you know, to please people and do things for others and never thinking about myself. And another right. thing we do sometimes is, because I'd been raped by my dad, um, I always had this secret, and I didn't feel like I was authentic, like I was really being mm-hmm. truthful about who I was. I, you have to, when you have a secret, you have to be very cautious what you say to people because you might slip and say something that would, you know, give them a clue that something isn't exactly right in your family. And so I always just sat there and smiled and agreed with everybody and never really, myself, never really told anybody who I really was, what I was going through. You live all alone and you don't seek out help or or tell anyone because you feel this burden of shame, like it's your fault. Right. You know, that your right. dad raped you since you were like one and a half or two years old. And, um, when Spirit told me to write the book, mm-hmm. he said that I should write it. I'm saying he, it could be he, she, um, because my life's experiences would help many who have gone through some of the same things I have, and that they think they're all alone in the world and there's no hope out there, and they're embarrassed or feel ashamed, and it would just help them. And I think that's what we need to do after I wrote the book. Um, And I didn't talk about the sexual abuse in the book, but, you know, it was like, it was the most freeing thing in the world. I'd like the listeners to really understand. I didn't have to keep a secret anymore. Anyone Mm -hmm. who wrote the book knew about the family that I came from, and I could just be me. And it was one of the most, it was really one of the most freeing experiences writing that book I thought was to help everybody the multitudes, and I think Spirit wrote it with that intent, but it was also aimed to help me. Because, you know, yeah. when you do you help other people, you're just helping yourself, too. Exactly. Exactly. I know you've talked about the book a little bit while we've been talking. Would you mind sharing a bit more about the book? And then I'd love to hear the type of work you're doing today. Um, you've, you've had such a varied work experience. How are you bringing all of this forward now? Well, um, we live on Whidbey Island, which is kind of, they say it's a mecca of healing. Supposedly people come from all around the world to be healed here. And mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of, um, a lot of, there's a lot of like-minded minded thinking. And people, it's like with it's a throwback in time where um, to a more genteel time where people mm-hmm. provide services sometimes at no cost and, um, and, or by donation to help people that can't afford it. They can still, you know, have some of these services. Um, 
I walked into the hardware store when we first moved here, and I didn't know my way around, and I had been so, you know, because I, I was terrified of driving. You know, like I said, I'd been terrified mm-hmm. of everything. And I left my purse at home, and I went to get my purchase, and then I said, oh, my God, oh, my God, just a minute. And I ran out to the car, and I said, I'm sorry, I'll have to come back and get it later. I don't have my purse. And the lady said, well, just come the next time you're around, just stop by and pay us for it. And I said, really? She goes, yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> really? <laughs> and then you think, aha, the alarm's going to go off as I go out the door, and they're going to nail me. Because <laughs> no one had ever done that before. No one had ever really shown me an act of kindness. And one of the other things I'm trying to do is, um, because I do, you know, psychic readings and astrology and stuff, is um, I'm on my webpage, which is www.choices-nlb.com, I'm having an Ask Nancy page. So people, mm-hmm. and I'd like it to really be for people that just couldn't, you know, just get a reading, not people that get readings all the time. But people can write in a question, any question. It can be spiritual. It can be, you know, um just a physical question about a relationship or something. And um, every two weeks or, or every month, I will pick two questions that spirit thinks would apply to, I guess, well, spirit's going to pick the questions. And I will respond to them on my webpage. So, um, well, because nice. it's just, you know, it's kind of people, there have been so many people that have really reached out to lend me a helping hand, and I would like to return the favor a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. On the island currently, I do a lot of shows and um, I do personal um, presentations, you know, women's empowerment groups and things like that. I haven't really done that much on the island um, because we've been really busy since we moved with just um, kind of fixing mundane things like our wood burning stove went out in the middle of the winter last year, which was the coldest winter we've ever experienced, and we were without heat. That's <laughs> important to like have, that. yes. <laughs> so selfishly, I took care of myself first. <laughs> That's a joke. But, um, you know, I, I would like to do a few teachings on the island. I used to do a, a, a class on um, the journey within, and... Mm-hmm. Um, People really loved it. It's just about getting in touch with yourself. And like you said, you know, it's a process. You don't skip from, you know, from one point to another point. It's all a process. Your story isn't finished until you're done living your life. And I think that, you know, we're in such a hurry to, to move forward and to do stuff that we just don't enjoy the process. You know, in my next book, remembering I talk about how you don't even get to go into preschool or kindergarten, whatever they call it now, you know, before you can feed yourself and drink from your own water bottle and go to the bathroom by yourself. And that's the right. way with us, you know, and then we progress into, you know, grade school and middle school and you know, high school, or it's just, it's all a progression. And, and in every class you take physically, there's different sections. You don't just take, um, you know, history. You learn all about history, and you learn all about the different facets of English literature and everything else. 
And sometimes we have to go through the class again. And sometimes we just get it and move right on. So I think we need to take it easy on ourselves. And if we treated others, if we treated ourselves, you know, with the same compassion and understanding um, that we give to others, we'd be really in a lot better positions instead of berating ourselves for everything. I mean, how many times have we all said, oh, God, can I get any stupider? You know, why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again? Well, because every time you do it and you realize it's not working, maybe the next time you'll try something different. Right, right, right. Everything in life is a learning experience. That's what I believe. An opportunity to grow, to evolve, to connect more to who you really are. I believe that too. I believe that too. Um, you were talking about we were talking about helping people to, um, you know, to connect with spirit. And there's so mm-hmm. many different ways out there. There's so many tools that different people can use. Um, you know, what works for me may not necessarily work for somebody else. Just like the path I'm on may not work for somebody else. We all have special flavor and we have to be Mm -hmm. true to ourselves and what works for us and what's best for us we can't always be looking to see what somebody else does and follow their path but you know if you even just have a simple question whenever you ask really you shall receive you could just flip a coin it sounds really simple but we don't think about it i mean Mm -hmm. if, if it's a simple yes or no answer um, lots of people use a pendulum. You know, it'll tell you yes, no, and then the answer hasn't been decided yet, or maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I um, I can do I do pendulum readings for others sometimes if if they are having a hard time doing it, you know, just in a class or something. But I usually don't do that for me because I can control the pendulum. If I really want something, the pendulum will give me right. the answer that I want. <laughs> so I don't really use that. But um, once, when I felt like I was just stagnating, I just felt like for six months or so I had been in this plexiglass cage room, and I could not get out. I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't doing anything, and I was so frustrated. You know, I was just like, I am not 20 years old anymore. You know, I've got mm-hmm. to move on. I, I know I have a purpose. I want to fulfill my purpose. And so I picked a rune. And I don't know how many of your listeners have ever used runes, but they have symbols on them, and each symbol has a different meaning. It usually Mm -hmm. is accompanied by a book of runes that tells you what that symbol means. Well, I picked the symbol that said, be still. And I thought, these things don't work. That's what I'm doing. I'm being still. I want to quit being still. (laughs) And so I... um, put it back in the bag, shook it up really, really well, and reached in with my other hand and grabbed, be still. I of course you did. Things. So I poured out the bag on the bed and mixed them all up and everything and put them all back in. And I got, be still. And I thought, ah. And I just, I just tossed the bag and it hit the bookshelf and, Carolyn Mace's book came out, Sacred Contracts. Mm -hmm. It fell on the floor Mm -hmm. to an open page. So I looked at the page, and she's talking about a time in her life where she felt like she was stagnating. 
And she asked Spirit to give her some answers. She refers to it as the universe, to give her some answers, and or the divine. And um, mm-hmm. she had this dream that night, and she was in this uh, little airport with, you know, single um, planes. And mm-hmm. she was at the hangar and getting ready to take off, and there were a lot of other planes in front of her, too. And one by one, this voice would come from the control tower, which she thought was the divine, you know, she took to be the divine, giving them permission Mm -hmm. to take off. And all these planes are flying off one by one, you know, into the sky. And she's sitting there. She's not patient at all like me. And um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not patient either. (laughs) And and she's like, when am I going to get to take off? And then the last plane in front of her left. And she was the last one sitting there. And so she waited. She waited, and she waited, and then she said, hey, what about me? Did you forget about me? I'm sitting here. Everyone got to go besides me. And the voice came back from the control tower and said, you're not ready to go now. If you took off now, you would crash. And that just really Mm -hmm. touched me. Whenever you need an answer, you will get the answer. Even if you pick the answer out three times and you don't pay attention, somehow spirit will make sure you get the answer. I mean, what are the chances of that book falling out, opening to that page where she was going through the exact same thing that I was going through? I mean, there's synchronicity. Right. Nothing right. is a coincidence. Right. Well, and, so, and I think it, I think it goes back to, you said at one point at the beginning of our call, which is learning to trust in that. That's what we need to do. You know, um, Spirit moved me to Whidbey Island. I have always been another one. My greatest fear is drowning. My dad tried to drown me as a small child, and I can still remember trying to breathe and getting water in your lungs. And so I, like, have almost had panic attacks. I mean, really, just being in water. Um, I like to stick my toes in it. I like to, you know, look at it, but I don't like to be under it. I don't like to be on Mm -hmm. top of it, and I don't want to be over it. And so when I wrote the book, I was seeing a massage therapist, and she said, Nancy, um, why don't you and Phil come and visit us? I have a vacation home on Whidbey Island. And I'll have a book signing for you. And I thought, oh, my God, a book signing. This is wonderful. And so I mentioned it to Phil, and he said we had the time. And, you know, let's just go. He'd never been to Whidbey Island. He's been all around the world, but he'd never been to Whidbey Island. So Uh we got our tickets and everything. And three days before we were supposed to come, Michelle called and said, Nancy, I'm really sorry, but I can't have a book signing for you. Um, Matt is getting transferred. I have, he's getting, we're going to move permanently to Whidbey Island and um, I have to get our house in Parker ready for sale. She said, but I love your energy. I just love your energy and I want it, you know, in my home. So come and get the keys. I'll give you the combination code and you can come and have a wonderful vacation there. She said, you know, it really is paradise and it is. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to cancel and my husband said, honey, the plane tickets are non-refundable. So when we were coming over here, um, and he pulled up to the ferry line. I I thought I was going to have a full-blown panic attack. I was like, oh, no, honey, no. I can't get on that boat. Oh, my God, Phil, I'm not getting on that boat. I mean, they put huge semis, double semis on this boat. And supposedly yeah. it floats, you know. I was like, mm. 
God's tricked me and this I would face my greatest fear and drown in the ocean. This is what we always think that's the worst. We, I right. always imagined the worst. And Phil said, Nancy, it's tourist season. We don't have reservations anywhere. I doubt that we could even find a place in Seattle. So we got on the boat. Phil got out and looked around, and I was just sitting there waiting for it to sink, yep. you know. Yeah. And uh, we got to Michelle, and, and I got, didn't leave. Uh, sorry? I, you never left. That's amazing. I was going to say, we are just about out of time. Um, Nancy, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I think the key point of that last story was trusting, right? And, and then you discovered a beautiful new life for yourself there, which is incredible. Exactly. Spirits that I had to learn to let go and to trust. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that all of, all of my listeners, uh, anybody who listens to this, you know, I, I'd say the the big thing is to learn how to connect within and connect to that voice within you. Listen to it and then trust it. And then from there, you can start making decisions that are more aligned with you. So I want to thank everybody who is listening to us today or whenever they listen. Uh, tune in again to Living a Courageously Authentic Life. Have a great day. <laughs>